Welcome. We're back in session with your host Jay of What's Going On, a social studies network podcast. Now let's get into it. back to another episode of what's going on a social studies network podcast with me your host jay and today we have my name is carol whiteley thank you for joining me how's your day going so far it's good it's thursday hoping to get to friday three-day weekend so we'll we're getting there (laughs) yes very much looking forward to the three-day weekend i don't know how teachers do it (laughs) I've literally been asking, how do you guys find time to sleep? Like, where is the sleep fitting into the schedule? It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Summer. Summer. Oh, Spring yeah. break. <laughs> I'm, look, I'm definitely looking forward to the break. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so my name is Kara Whiteley. I am actually from Springfield, Illinois, so not super far away. Went to U of I and then never really left. Worked for a year elsewhere, came back here. And then I've been um, teaching at a local high school, Central High School, which is just down the road since 2005 oh wow yeah okay you've been there and <laughs> there right, for a minute great. yeah love that i was three I, <laughs> I know you know honestly when my students told me like oh i wasn't even born when that was i was yeah. like oh okay all right i don't care actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> you old, i don't care um but yeah so the first question that i like to ask all my mm-hmm. guests is with the point that you are in your life right now mm-hmm. and in your career what did you think of social studies before this point versus what do you think about social studies now throughout your journey as a teacher? Uh, well, so I'm actually an English teacher. Same. I've never formally taught social studies mm-hmm. until this year. Of course, it's kind of social studies related. So mm-hmm. I think uh, formally my or formerly, I guess the conception would have been very much like fact based and history. I guess social studies is synonymous with history. Mm-hmm. Um, probably neglecting a bunch of the other disciplines within it and just a very like traditional kind of the way I grew it, you know, history classes. And mm-hmm. that was, that was it. Yeah. Um, and then now it's evident that it is far more diverse and I'm, I'm far more interested. And I think students are too in, um, sociology and psychology and, um, Dr. Wilson's really helped me expand on the idea of research and what it is and what it's not and mm-hmm. what it's not limited to, you know, like the English teacher sort of like formal research papers are yeah. great, but they're not only, you know, that's not all it is. Yeah. Um, so it's become more vibrant and more alive, I think. Oh, I love that. More vibrant, more alive. That is definitely a great way to put it because I'm always been, I've been trying to like, you know, hone in on that idea and like expand the idea that everything is social studies and social studies is everything yeah so I like that it's vibrant yeah um I also think that is a way better way to like explain it and describe it to engage more students Mm -hmm. into social studies and history because so many students hate it for the reasons that 
you've already yeah. said and i think that's great and also i feel like english is yeah i agree sense. yeah because you definitely need the you definitely need social studies to fund english but right. you definitely need english to fund social studies sure. so i think that's cool and you teach an ap black history class? so it's the new ap african-american okay. studies class it's okay. the one that's you know like been in the news and this and that mm -hmm. so um last school year i think they had maybe six schools that were able to do it college board was the one who kind of issued the invites and i don't know their criteria or whatnot mm -hmm. um this year there's like somewhere between 600 and 800 schools and oh, wow. our district was offered the chance and so um you know like the first step was okay are we going to do it and then who's going to teach it and then who's going to take it and mm -hmm. um, there were a few stumbling blocks but we have a course up and running it's 20 students okay. uh, we're hoping for next year it will be more um so yeah, that was also a little bit of a learning curve too, because it's not technically just an English class and not just a history class. Mm -hmm. It's it's a combination interdisciplinary um, studies class. Mm -hmm. So, but we actually have two students who drive over every day really? to take the class, um, and so that's kind of nice. And the goal, I think, next year is to have sections at both schools. Mm -hmm. It'd be lovely. That's great. Yeah. Okay. So with that, you know, this is this question is the same as the first question, but uh -huh. it's more catered to your experience. Okay. So, what did you think about Black history before this moment in your career versus what do you think about Black history now? Oh, man. Okay, so let's see. I guess prior, mm -hmm. um, it felt very like the same few facts all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like you would read these two books and you would study these two people um, and a very limited sort of scope and a really small narrative. Um, and I think the one thing that, you know, going through this course and doing a lot of the readings and, and really trying to prepare for it is just the murkiness of mm -hmm. what people actually might think they know and then some of the realities and the dialogue and the rich discussion and things that are actually happening. Mm -hmm. um, I guess it always felt very linear before, like first mm -hmm. this happened and then this happened yeah. and then things were great after civil rights and now here we are and things are bad every now and then, but like mostly we're okay the we, right, mm -hmm. being like a, especially as a white person, the important note there. Um, and so we've had a lot of discussions too, which have been really interesting about like, what is actual progress mm -hmm. and what, you know, what are the narratives, what are the counter narratives, who's telling a story, who's making the history and who's writing the things. And I think just the, the richness of how multifaceted everything is mm -hmm. um, and the way that it's it's fascinating and resilient and and traumatizing all at once mm -hmm. to go through it with students and, mm -hmm. um, think about and get engaged in the dialogue and and then also it's all still so relevant mm -hmm. you know it's now <laughs> yeah I um like even in my schooling experience I knew what black history was in my household because mm. I feel like I was learning things every day like I was getting black history from my family every day not even just from actual like academic teaching but just seeing what they were doing mm -hmm. like it because my grandma she's been a teacher for like decades and mm -hmm. just like mom well, he's been <laughs> in the education field for about like almost two decades yeah. now so watching my family position themselves within like my small context yeah. of history was very important to me which was very jarring and very different when you're learning about it in school because it's like okay someone from africa then you have slavery mm -hmm. And then you guys get free from slavery, woo! And then you guys go through <laughs> harsh racism again, very traumatic. And then the civil rights movement, woo! And then now, look at you guys, rappers and athletes <laughs> and 
talk show hosts and dancers and mm -hmm. things like that. And sometimes you guys may be academics, but it just depends. And then you got Barack Obama in there and he's like, you guys are doing great right yep. now. But I feel like I didn't really get the nuance since until I got to high school, which even then I feel very fortunate about because I know like a lot of my peers sit in high school. Like they didn't really get yeah. that nuance, like longer version of like what black history was supposed to look like because we all talk about the same people over and over and over again. And it took me a while too to not feel guilty about saying that because I'm like, mm -hmm. wait, if I'm saying, oh, we're always talking about Rosa Parks, we're always talking about Malcolm X, we're always talking about Dr. King, like we're always talking about Jim Crow, we're always talking about th these things. It felt like I was dismissing those events and it felt yeah. like I was dismissing those people, but I'm like, they exist within the story, but there are also other people and yeah. other things that exist. And me saying that does not dismiss the things that they've done. It's just understanding that there is so much more to the story than right. what is being presented, which is very difficult yeah. when you're trying to present that to other adults in the room. And they're like, what? Why would you want to go outside of that mold? And right. I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to always think yeah. about me and my ancestors being slaves. Like, I want to yeah. think about, like, there. I know there's so many other things that we have done. Like, you know, I like sports, but I don't always want to mm -hmm. think about us being basketball players or, you know, I like yeah. music, but I don't want to always talk about us being rappers, you know? I think there's just so many other things to think about and to talk about, especially when it comes to the way that I want to motivate my students as a Black educator. What does it mean to push them forward to go into STEM? or to mm -hmm. go into fashion, or to go into art, or to go into business, or to go into nursing, yeah. go in their doctor programs, things like that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you said that too about growing up. And one of my um, major hesitancies in teaching the course is that I'm a white woman. Mm -hmm. So the lived experience is not necessarily there. And yet, um, it's interesting because discussions about staffing and like, who's going to teach what, mm -hmm. right? And so I don't, you know, there's this notion of on on one hand, like it's a black history course or an African American studies course. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a middle aged white woman isn't the best choice. On the other hand, oftentimes I feel like people and I could be speaking out of turn here, but I feel like sometimes people aren't white are like, well, you're this. So you got to teach that course. You can only teach this course mm -hmm. or like mm -hmm. by default, whether. And so there's um, potentially a burden or an expectation mm -hmm. that. I think white teachers don't always have mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like you can but you don't have to feel obligated but mm -hmm. you don't have to mm -hmm. um and but i also think it's really important that it doesn't become centered in whiteness mm -hmm. especially with lived experience and so um it's yeah it's been an interesting thing and so we've just kind of tried to be open about the situation and mm -hmm. um how we're all situated within it and the nice part is a lot of the students i had known from last year mm -hmm. and um you know, they're really honest with me. And I think I can be honest with them about when, you know, I need to some just step back and listen and they can take yeah. over and it's a space of sharing, but it's, it's definitely an element, right? Yeah. Um, Are you reading my mind about the question? I don't know. I don't know. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit actually. No, but I was going to ask you, like, could you, could you get into that more about what does it mean as a white woman? What does mm -hmm. that mean within whiteness? How do you position yourself as an AP? african-american history teacher like what are the challenges that are there that other people may not think of what is the ways that you do allow your students mm -hmm. to come to the forefront in the classroom and not allow yourself to be offended by like i know that people are seeing me as a white woman but mm -hmm. that do you do you understand oh yeah yeah, yeah for okay. sure um there's a lot of questions and then that so let me i think your first one was more about um just sort of like the positioning as a white woman mm -hmm. um 
yeah, I struggle with it a lot because I, I, I will say this not to the detriment of my other classes, right? But um, I'm almost putting like all of my time and energy into this because mm -hmm. it feels so important to get it right. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know that there is a way to get anything right. Um, but, and I don't know if this is just as a white woman or not, but one thing that's been really different is that sometimes it can feel in other classes like I need to cover this or teach this. Mm -hmm. Um, but it feels really important, even like you were talking about, not to make any of the topics we cover something to just be covered. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's so much more important than just like cover or lesson 3.2 or mm. less because there's this very clear like um, scope and sequence. Mm -hmm. And so trying to make it real and work on it with sensitivity and honesty and also recognizing. Um, yeah, I think it can be awkward in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. um, there have certainly been times there's there are a number of students who are super open and honest and i think we have a good rapport i know they i hope think they can trust me mm -hmm. um, i can certainly trust them to be honest and critical when they need to be but um you know there was a day where someone's like no offense but like i feel like if it yeah. was just a room full of black people it would be a little bit different in conversations but like there might they at one point they said to me like we feel like sometimes you just tiptoe around things because you don't want to say the right thing mm -hmm. or you're not really sure mm -hmm. um and you know so we just I guess, talk about it honestly as we come. Yeah. Um, I do think it's a space where, you know, I don't know if I'll always be the person who teaches the course. And mm -hmm. I think it would certainly benefit from someone whose lived experience is different than mine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I, I don't know the answer to that, but yeah. um, I was kind of the one who was there this year and I'm truly giving it all I have. Um, and the students, I think, are as well and it's it's just been it's been lovely it's been yeah. it's been amazing and challenging all at the same time because i know you mentioned that you're also one of the veteran teachers at your school too right well i don't know about that i mean i've been there for 20 years so it's like i've been there for a minute mm -hmm. right and um i don't know i was reflecting with some colleagues the other day too about so many things we've gotten wrong in the past just you know like you just maybe aren't aware at the time and i've learned mm -hmm. so much and i also am i try to stay kind of like aware of what's happening in the community mm -hmm. and um there's just a lot of dynamics there are a lot of things going on at any given moment in the district and um yeah i think our district does a good job of talking about race it's not something that people generally don't talk about i just mm -hmm. don't know where that always goes mm -hmm. yeah okay and then circling back you know we've talked about race and things like mm -hmm. that when your students do say things like you know i feel like if we were in a room of all black people conversations would be mm -hmm. different how do you what methods do you use like how do you have mm -hmm. like what reflection tools do you use to stop yourself from saying this is not necessarily a personal attack against me this is not something to be offended by but this is something to make sure I reflect on to go forth in each class and make sure they feel as safe with me as possible mm, that's a good question I think honestly I'm thinking of like three students in particular right because they're the ones you know how like there's just a classroom dynamic and there are mm -hmm. three students in particular I have no problem saying like whatever's on their mind and yeah. I think I think they just hopefully know at this point that I won't be offended mm -hmm. um and usually they preface it with like, no offense, no offense. Yeah. And and they're not wrong. I mean, like, that's the thing. I don't think I don't think it's my prerogative in that place to dismiss what they've said is mm -hmm. untrue or not valid. I, they're right. And yeah. so, you know, like I think it's just that um and and maybe that's what it is too, is that the class seems more like a 
it's not like a teacher in a class. It's a like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, there are all these ideas. Mm -hmm. And I spent a lot of time studying them and I was given a bunch of resources and a bunch of people in the community of point things. So let me share them with you. And then like you find some stuff to do with them mm -hmm. rather than just like, this is what we're doing sort of all the time every day. Mm -hmm. um, we were struggling one of the other day. We were just talking about seniors, right? So we yeah. were struggling one of the other days and I was like, man, is it... You got to be honest with me here. Like, is it me? Is it you? Is it that you're seniors? And most of them are like, well, we're just seniors. And <laughs> the other students like, no, it's all of them. It's all, <laughs> yeah, it's all of them. I was like, I knew I could count on you for that. Um, it's definitely a combination yeah. of all things, especially when you're getting to this point. And like, I'm ready to get out of here. Mm -hmm. This is an AP course. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on. I'm just like, it's just so much to, yeah. to take in with it. It is. And even so with that, Circling back to that last, to the third question, sure, I yeah, most student questions. How do you allow your students to position themselves in the classroom those days where you step back and you're saying, "I'm going to let them take the forefront"? Mm -hmm. What does that look like? Honestly, it looks a lot like just kind of open discussion. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of like throwing questions out, and then they just kind of like go. Um, we um i've been working with dr wilson who has been wonderful and has offered to come in and so he kind of got us going with circles mm -hmm. and so establishing spaces of trust where people are you know going out sharing about their lives mm -hmm. and there's a banter that happens uh, sometimes maybe <laughs> a lot of banter and then there's other things and like we certainly have a class dynamic but i do think that um and that's not something i do in my other classes mm -hmm. so i do think having that space first where they get to I don't know, own the space or we're more equal in that space mm -hmm. or something and like trying to get rid of the the power structures there. Um, but also just truly listening and like say, you know, I, I think, I don't think they're ever looking at me as someone who has an answer. It's oftentimes just the, mm -hmm. if anything, it's just questions, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Like um, there was a pretty vibrant discussion, you know, maybe it was the start of the month and the question for the circle was just like, what are your thoughts on Black History Month? And like super, super open-ended. And it just it just kind of went, mm -hmm. you know, like it just kind of keeps going. Um, and there are students in the class who are not Black. Um, the majority of the class is, but there are whites, there are a few white students mm -hmm. and, and others too. So, um, so far, I think everybody's been able to be open and honest. Mm -hmm. um, and I think too, you just can't get wishy-washy and like, you got to sometimes just acknowledge things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they laugh at me sometimes, but you know, like you're studying the the literary movement. N-E-G-R-O is just a word I'm not going to say. Mm -hmm. And yet it's in a lot of titles, right? And it's in the word and I'm just, I'm just not. And they're like, you know, like sometimes it's just like, it's the awkward elephant. Like yeah. there's a slide that says this movement and you're like, well, <laughs> it's up there, but like, like you see it. Yeah, you, you see it. It's you there. see it. It's there. Or like <laughs> skip over it or whatever. So yeah, there's always those things. And I guess I embrace the awkwardness or mm -hmm. not ignore it maybe. I don't yeah. know. I think that's sometimes the only thing that you can do, especially with high schoolers, because they know how to up the ante. Yeah. <laughs> We're just even more awkward. But I like the fact that you allow them to like position themselves like in the front of the classroom. You like take a backseat because that's something that I'm trying to learn how to do like, yeah, my expertise on everything, but I want to make sure that my students know that they're the teacher and the student and I'm the teacher and the student mm -hmm. and we can all work together in a collab in a collaborative space. But it also makes me think about like my high school experience because mm -hmm. I've had like differing experiences with with my classrooms and like English and history and things like that. And there are some times where it felt like 
you know, and sometimes not even in the classroom, yeah. but in the school as a whole where our voices were not heard. Oh, like yeah. they would say these inspirational quotes and say like, you guys are like the the driving force of change. And like, you guys are the voice of our future and we care about everything that you say and do. And we're like, do you really care? <laughs> like, yeah. the, you're just saying this and you want to say that we're family, but we don't feel like family. Like, yeah. even like I was a part of student council all four years. And it was like, I remember one year, I felt like I was fighting tooth and nail to get Black History Month to be recognized wow. for that year. Yeah. And I'm like, which is really insane because it was like the year before I was like, we did a whole Black History Month town hall. Like we had this, this and that. And it just felt like it was not taken seriously. It felt like our identity was like, it didn't matter that year. Yeah. Like, we're like, oh, do this and do that. And it was optional things that people didn't have to do. Yeah. And I'm like, if you're making it seem like this is something optional, like this is not our identity, like this is not something that is is important to talk right. about, then, then what does that say? Like, what does that mean in the sense of like, curriculum in the sense of community yeah how you fit yourself in our community and I come from a community-based educating household they Mm -hmm. believe in like they know the family so moms dads grandmas aunties uncles brothers sisters. (laughs) you know my grandma saw generations of families um, and my godmoms have too they've taught generations of families because they understand how important it is to not only situate themselves within the school as authority figures but Mm -hmm. also like I am your family too, in whatever way you need me to be that. I can be your friend too, in whatever way you need me to be that. I am your support system in whatever way we need to run the school and function in a better way. And I don't know, you talked about like using like community as a sense to like mm-hmm. fund what you're doing. So what is your community, you know, based pedagogy and things like that look like? Um, are you talking about classroom community or outside community or both, both. and how they overlap? Both. So exactly. yeah. Um, That's an interesting question. So classroom community has really been trying to just like get to a space where all the conversations can happen Mm -hmm. and, you know, bring in their own like personalities and who gets along with who and who's, you know, like friends with who at what moment in time, what moment in time. And so on a daily basis, I think I would like to think that everybody feels taken care of in that space and they have their needs met, not necessarily by me, but that they can come in, they can be honest about what they need mm-hmm. and what they're willing to do that day. Um, and it's interesting that you mentioned the community-based piece, because I think that's one of my bigger insecurities about mm-hmm. the class is that, um, and I don't know if it's just about whiteness, but also, um, you know, like the outside community, I don't know that I'm the one who's as tapped in as, as potential um, others in our community are. So one of the first things I did, and I I have to ask you your opinion on this okay. too, is right because I'm I want to be cognizant of um, making sure that they have access to lots of voices and lots of lived experiences, and I can't offer that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also don't want to burden other people mm-hmm. by all like you come help and you come help and you come help, mm-hmm. right? And and I've reached out to a ton of people, and everybody's been like, yes, we'll come, we'll help, we'll do these things, we'll be in community. And so I, I'm hoping that, you know, like being able to see so many people um, and everybody's like, contact this person, contact this yes. person, contact this person. And so like the community kind of came to me mm-hmm. um, for which I'm really grateful. And I think the students will really benefit from that. Um, but yeah, I do always often wonder if it's like a not a double standard, but a burden, right? Mm -hmm. To constantly be asking for others to come in and fill the Mm -hmm. voids or the differences. And I'm hoping that it's more of a like all together, we we work through stuff, but um, yeah, it's been, so Dr. Wilson has been coming in. um, We were talking about um, like 
black student life and black college experiences. I'm like, that's not my <laughs> thing. And so um, there were four wonderful women from the district leadership who were like, okay. we'll be in. And they came in and they led this like circle. They talked. It was a very frank and open conversation. And I think mm -hmm. everybody got some really good insight about it. It's like, come back. can you come back? And, yeah. and you know, it's really fun. And then um, right now, like at U of I even, there was a librarian that we had randomly connected with. She's like, okay, I'll pull some archives. So she's going to pull us some archival material about like restaurants and protests on Green Street. So we're going to field trip over there. And then, you know, it's like, oh, hey, there's the Black Choi exhibit that's happening on Spurlock. Mm -hmm. And someone's like, okay, I know that person. So we're going there, you know, so like we're, I hope going to be in the community, both the university community and um, through some other resources elsewhere. But it's, people have been very generous in filling voids that I may not be able to fill, mm -hmm. I guess, as the so to speak of the class yeah no I think that's great because I think it's different when like you're asking the students themselves to be like hey fill this void yeah you know yeah I think that's when it becomes more of a burden when you're making the students themselves be like oh this is my experience this is my trauma this is not my trauma this mm -hmm. is what I relate to this yeah is what I don't relate to because sometimes it does get tiring as a student when it's like I'm here to learn I'm here to talk about my experiences but now I'm expected to also teach myself <laughs> at the same time it's like yes having that space to position themselves in front of the classroom is one thing but being forced to like put their to put their own experiences out there because mm -hmm. it's not enough um without them doing that I think that's the burden but going in the community and asking people like can you come in like can you can I have you as a resource in my mm -hmm. classroom I feel like that's great because so often and I've had this conversation many times that when it comes to black education mm -hmm. when it comes to urban education within blackness when it just comes to dealing with black students and black academics in general so often we go outside of their communities mm -hmm. like this is where the greatness is happening mm -hmm. like um my grandma, my uncle, they've served in the in CPS yeah. on the south side of Chicago, you know, within the inner city, I guess mm -hmm. you call it. And it's like a lot of the times, like, oh, what's in High Park? What's in downtown Chicago? But what about the histories that have yeah, been there? Like, what about the Regal Theaters? That was like a very lively theater. Mm -hmm. Like when my grandparents were growing up, like the Temptations came there and this group came there and, and these events happened here. It's like these places might be boarded up now or these places you might not see them, but yeah. So a lot of generations that are living in those communities, that meant so much to them. And so in order and so to bring those folks in and be like, I want you to speak. I think that that is amazing. I, I don't think that is burdenous. I think that that is a very you know great opportunity and it's mm -hmm. a very great method to have because of the fact that they get to see themselves validated with their within their own community. And they don't have to think like, oh. You know, because like, what does it say when yeah. you keep going outside of the place where they live saying the greatness is here? Right, right. You know, like the greatness is not where I'm from. Like, I have to leave. I have to go somewhere else. Like when I'm successful, I can't stay here. Like, I can't put back into my community because mm -hmm. there's nothing here for me. Like, there's no greatness here. I'm not of greatness because I come from here. But to see people who could be their neighbor or who live down the street or who mm -hmm. works at the store, even if, they, you know, they live a little bit further away, but they can still mirror themselves with that person, I think yeah. is a very great and motivating opportunity for them to see themselves as something bigger than just slavery or just bigger than Jim Crow or just well, bigger. Yeah, than like I think too, so much of the course is about resistance mm -hmm. and reaction and progress and and action and direct action and activism. And I haven't been doing that work. Like that's mm -hmm. not been my role in the community um, for good or for bad, right? And I'm trying to work through that. But um, so many people have for so long. Mm -hmm. And so hearing 
I, I think localizing it is really kind of interesting too. There have been so many resources about, um, you know, like the district just bought us some books about like the Black Power Movement at U of I and how its programs got started and the students that made the change and the, you know, like the newspaper here, which the archivist is going to pull. Mm -hmm. um, and then a couple like community activists who were, you know, instrumental in a um, consent decree lawsuit against the district representing parents on behalf of their students. And, you know, so like there's a, a speaker who's going to come talk about that. And just so many people already who've been so invested and who are living the work mm -hmm. that it's like boiled down into like a course exam description, like the civil rights movement is here's the big yeah. five and this and that. But it's like, no, it's like these these mm -hmm. people who have been doing the work and who are in this community and who have made this community so much better than it you know, could have been or and are still working to improve mm -hmm. all the problems that we absolutely still have. It's, yeah, I hope that the, the students are learning a fraction as much as I'm learning throughout yeah. this whole thing too, but it's been, it's, um, Champaign is a great place. You yeah. know, I really like, and I, I think, I hope that students can see the local ties mm -hmm. to a lot of the stuff that we've done too, that it just doesn't live in a book. Definitely. You haven't even used a book. Yes, it like... doesn't just live in a book, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, I think this also goes back to why Dr. Wilson is so great, because in his class, like, and just working with him in general, one thing that I learned that it sounds like you're getting into is what does healing and forgiveness look mm. like? Because you talked about, like, you hope that your students feel safe and you hope that they can come in the classroom and present themselves however they feel comfortable, however they need to. I can bet, like, this AP course for African-American history is probably a healing space and it's also mm. for a forgiving space, too. So when it comes to, like, you know, the safety that you try to create in your classroom, um, and when it comes to opening up the doors to allow them to present themselves however they feel they need to to move through the class, how do you think that works with like healing and forgiveness within like between each other with you and in you know with the curriculum in general? That's interesting. Um, to think about that a little bit, I. So I'm going to reframe it around mm -hmm. some of the questions that students have asked. Right. Mm -hmm. So one okay. of the. Um, requirements of the course is that each student does an individual research project. So they have to come up with their own research question and mm -hmm. make, and then now technically in the project, they just have to do their, their project. They have to present it, whatever. Um, Dr. Wilson has pushed me to be like, why are they just doing a project? Like make it actionable. Like, mm -hmm. what are they doing? How, what, so what's next, right? Don't just let it live in the space of like, I Googled some things and I, I read a few articles. So he's really pushed back that, which is um, amazing and kind of reframe that. And so I think some of their questions maybe kind of get to that. Um, one student's question has to do with, and I don't have the specifics, um, why there's such a fascination with black trauma in film, yes. right? Like why, just why? <laughs> um, and it, because I think that maybe gets to some of the healing and, and the problem, not the problem, but the place it's that I'm sort of like trying to work through is it's hard sometimes to think you ever get past that. Like, are you just stuck in the, mm. in the problem, the problem, the problem? Um, what does it mean to answer that question? Mm -hmm. Or what if the answers are not uplifting, right? Or, or things like that and, and maybe kind of working through them. But I guess the other thing that Dr. Wilson has kind of helped me show is that uh, moving people to like a space of agitation mm -hmm. brings action or progress progress or, or whatnot too. So um, a couple of the other students are asking questions or, or researching questions about like um, historical trauma mm -hmm. and then how that 
intertwines with generational trauma or mm -hmm. even with like stigmatization of mental health in particular communities mm -hmm. or inequitable health outcomes. And so mm -hmm. it is right now, like they're all in this process of reading about all those topics, you know, after we just did this whole thing about like, you know, because the, the way the course is set up, it's like you start in ancient Africa mm -hmm. and in some ways it's like glory and pride and then there's enslavement but then, the, you know, and so it's like it can easily fall into that. But um, and I think next year I have a much better sense of maybe from the students own. They have given me a better sense of how mm -hmm. we can make it more kind of fluid throughout. Yeah. And less, um, you know, it's also nuanced, too. But they're. They often some of the questions that we haven't necessarily answered, but have been looking for is like, what is it? What is liberation? Mm -hmm. What is freedom? Mm -hmm. What um, is progress? And, you know, is there, is, are things ultimately hopeful or not? Like, those are kind of the things that seems like all of the figures that we've studied or the, the movements kind of ask those questions too. Mm -hmm. And um, so hopefully in their own research, they can maybe get to a space where they feel like they have an answer mm -hmm. to those. Um, yeah. Wow. That was a lot. I don't know. No, no, that was great. That so. was great. I definitely, it's interesting that you said like, why is there so much trauma depicted? Um, I remember one time I asked my grandpa, like, can you tell me a black movie that is not centered in trauma? It is just centered in love. Like, and it took him so long to think about it. He bought up one movie, just one. <laughs> what was, do you know what I remember love what Jones okay. is what he said it was. Um, but that's something that I've thought about a lot is like in books, in movies, yeah. in TV shows, there's always something centered around trauma. And I'm like, yes, that is a lot of our experience, mm -hmm. but there's so much more to it. And I'm like, why can't we have those silly coming of age movies where it's like, there is no trauma. Like there is no such thing as like, you know, the hurt and the pain comes from like cringy things. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, somebody embarrassed yeah. me on stage yeah. and I was trying to run prom queen and I had to run away crying. Like just like little things like that. Like where are those moments that we get to focus on just the funny stuff and things like that. And I could think of like a few like, like Martin, yeah, my jacket, you know, little <laughs> reference, whatever. Well, you know, I, I really love that show. Like growing up, like watching it, like being right. able to just see like funny things happen, like just being able to see like the goofiness of the show and just yeah. like have a nice like downtime, nice laugh time with like my family, just watching the show and things like that. And I think those experiences are very important to bring into the classroom when we when we are learning about what does it mean to come from ancient Africa and be of these royals and then feel like we've been just stripped away from all of that. Mm -hmm. But what does it look like now? Like where does our royalty come from now? Like what are what is the richness in in the love and the laughter and the joy that we create now, even mm -hmm. with all the the trauma and even all the things that we have to focus on. Cause I I took like an honors African American history class mm -hmm. in my um yeah. in high school and it kinda like mirrored a little bit what yeah. you were talking about. And it just made me think. But I was also very like proud to learn about that because it was it went way out of outside of the scope of like what we typically learn yeah when it comes to black history so I think that that's absolutely amazing and you definitely threw a lot at me but I feel like sorry I at you with my question so I feel like we definitely got I feel like I definitely got a lot out of you know the question that I asked and and what I want and I will say too it's not been all like I'm like, if my students watch this, would they be like, oh, she's just lying or like, she's like, there have been definite critiques, mm -hmm. right? And there have been students who have been comfortable with me, like, I'm just not getting anything out of this, or I'm not learning what I wanted to, or it's not what I thought it was going to be, or it's too much of this. And so like, there have certainly been, you know, it sounds very, it sounds very polished. 
Um, but I think on the day to day, it's pretty, you know, real and kind of gritty in some ways too. Um, and I was even thinking because you were talking about like your English, you know, background. And I was thinking about the novels that we teach because in English, it's like for a long time, it was, you know, I haven't taught Huck Finn in basically since like I first started to teach it. Right. But it's all like, even if you think about who are the, the characters who aren't white and how are they represented? Mm -hmm. And it's almost always right. Like, um, and so even in literature, not just in film, I'm thinking like in our English classes and whatnot mm. too, and year in and year out. Um, and then today we watched the Toni Morrison clip where she answers the question about the white gaze. Like, mm -hmm. so the interviewer had asked her, um, I think it was Bill Moore's, it was a long time ago, but he was like, okay, you've, you're a really great author. When are you going to write about like uh, non-black people? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she was like, and and she's even revisiting this question all these years later. And she says, until you walk up to, you know, like Tolstoy wrote about race and James Joyce wrote about race. And, you know, she kind of flips the question on his head until I can walk up into a white author and say, well, when are you going to write about black people? Mm. Like, I can't ask that question. So why would you ask it of me? And, and that led to an interesting discussion, too, about mm. just and I think it does tie into sort of the expectations of like creators and even history too in the way stories are told and mm -hmm. there's just so much I don't know <laughs> yeah definitely I've been like learning how to like as an English major like within my classes I know one of my professors used a term like we have learned about old dead white guys for a very long time <laughs> within our literature how do we step outside of that zone and we've been talked about like what if we go to a district where we want to revolutionize mm. the curriculum that's not allowed yeah like parents are yeah. saying no like administration is saying no, like the district is saying no. How do we like? Because you mm. even talked about um, not not rebellion. Um, like resistance. Resistance. And, yeah, yeah. Yes. How do how do you have a quiet resistance? Mm. How do you move forward to help your students resist if they are in such a restrictive, you know, setting like that? Where like you you can't teach about like what does it mean to be a more and Othello you can just only read it for what it is mm -hmm. like what does it mean to read about all of these stories that doesn't talk about blackness it doesn't talk about the Hispanic community it doesn't talk about the Asian American community it doesn't talk about different religious groups it doesn't talk mm -hmm. about how we add stereotypes on the groups that aren't true that are harmful and that continue to perpetuate these stereotypes that we continue to push forward in our education system which ultimately pushes some students out because they're like I'm not seeing myself mirrored mm -hmm. and when I do see myself mirrored I feel horrible about myself mm. and so it's just very interesting because because also here at U of I it's like being an English major it's very it was a very white experience mm -hmm. for me there was a lot mm -hmm. of students that just it was like myself and like two other black students mm -hmm. and sometimes in some of my classes I was the only black student in there so it's very interesting for me to like be put in the position like I feel like I need to speak up and I feel like mm -hmm. I need to represent a whole community of people that I don't even know but even then, like, even though it felt like nerve wracking, it was a lot of pressure, I still felt like it was important to do that because of the mindset that like some of my classmates who are teachers, they may not teach a black person mm. ever again. So what does it mean if they do have to teach it on the flip side, mm. if they are in a space where they do have to teach about these topics? How will my impact as a black person and as a black student in their classroom push them to be teachers and push them to interact? with their um, students so these are very like these are yeah. these very like prominent things and I'm still even thinking about now like in the classrooms yeah. that like I'm student teaching in and student observing in and and I'm also learning like with the I know I asked a question about like healing yeah. and forgiveness like how do I put these things into practice especially when the students are like you're trying to gentle teach and mm. the students are not being gentle <laughs> students in that moment so that's so like my one big 
frustration with everything related to teaching is theory and like practice. I feel like I hear these things. Some people say like, do this or do this. I read the books and then I'm like, but come into my second hour and show me what that looks like. Right. Like that's the hard part is there's yeah. Theory and practice. And even over the summer, I'll go home and be like, this great idea. This discussion is going to be like this. And you go in and just, you know, like just so when you figure it out, tell me because the that divide I think is hard. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I think that you brought up was like being an individual in a system of systems. Mm-hmm. It's all systems. And so that is, you know, like even the fact that the um that the course is AP, mm-hmm. college board is college board, and people have lots of thoughts about college board. Yeah. And so it's like, well. It's the first time we've been able to offer the course because because it's all at College Board. Mm-hmm. It's the way we were going to be able to get this course to earn honors credit. But, you know, like, are you handing over control to them? Because they, you know, like, it is a, it's a very um, rigid, you know, like, there's required sources, there's required documents, and mm-hmm. you're free kind of to do whatever you want. Our district, actually, because you had spoken to the idea of, you know, restrictive districts, and um, it's been nothing but support from the district for this course. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people checking in and saying like, how's it going? What do you need? So that's been amazing too. But, um, you know, it may not always be that way or other courses may not always be that way too, but there's, yeah, it's, um, systems and how you rebel quietly or resist quietly become really intriguing questions. Yeah. yeah which is, cause also too, like what I'm thinking about is not only like resisting quietly but it's also what does it mean to because in this day and age like resisting out loud when when teachers seem to be so targeted now Mm -hmm. like what does it mean like because I've also had like a professor tell me like you're so combative you're gonna end up getting fired and I'm like not fired Mm -hmm. so I'm like what does it mean to like want to also protect Mm -hmm. yourself as a teacher in this economy especially while you're also trying to liberate your students Ooh, that's interesting um because i know you said you have a lot of support so you know that yeah i do and like when you've been teaching in our district for 20 years you make a pretty good living like i i can't complain about that and um it's the only job i would ever want to do and you know but you just said something about like you're trying to liberate your students and i'm like am i i don't know if i am Hmm. Um, I guess I didn't necessarily like, I don't know. And that might be an interesting question to look at, but I guess I feel as though that's not necessarily my, like, I don't think they need me for that. I think they need, they, they're themselves. And like, that would, you know, I, that's an interesting, like, it's an interesting phrasing. I need to think about that. Maybe I'm wrong on this and think about it, but, um, I don't know. I, I have a few friends who I'm like, can I teach this thing or can I do this thing? And I, I will say I try to be responsive. Like if they're interested in something, then we try to like go deeper. And so like, don't tell anybody, but we just okay. like, I randomly photocopy things that are interesting and we don't always have permission. Like, I don't know, you know, so it's like things like that where mm-hmm. I could probably every now and then be like, hey, that's not part of the mandated curriculum. Mm-hmm. And so you run a risk, I guess, if it goes really wrong or if somebody's like, why is that there? Why did you choose this thing? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just chose it because I thought it would be interesting. Um, and I think that it's a little less risky when like people chose to take this course. Mm, okay. So, you know, I'm teaching four other English classes and they may have chosen to take 
AP Lang versus American Lit, mm -hmm. but they had to take an English class. Yeah. This was like people saying, no, I'm willing to devote an entire one year, two semesters to an extra AP course. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's there's a different level of maybe like buy-in or expectation mm -hmm. than just like another year of English. Mm -hmm. I could care less sort of mm -hmm. thing. Um, not that there's like a, a group affinity or buy-in, but I think there would be less potential for pushback on quote controversial topic mm -hmm. when kind of the expectation is like, no, I came to to learn about some real things that aren't just yeah. the standard like scope and sequence. Yeah. Um, and I also think I probably have, a, you know, like I've been there for a minute. So mm -hmm. I've been and I'm tenured and I'm a white woman. And so maybe some of that's just built in, mm -hmm. whether earned or not, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an interesting thing that I'll have to kind of think a little bit more about, too. <laughs> You're asking me all these questions. Thinking. Yeah, I don't um, know. But no, I think like liberation takes a big machine. I think it takes a lot of people. I think it takes a lot of effort. And I definitely think that you could be a part of that machine and a part of that part of that big effort that is needed to liberate them because yeah they can do it on their own but there's only so much that a student and a person can do by themselves and I think to know that you know they have you to back them up like as their teacher as somebody who chose to teach or who even got picked to, to teach this mm -hmm. course I think that that's like very important to their identity and to, to the way that they function not only in this class but when they do go on to go to college when they are in these other spaces so I think like you know you know, I'm, I'm very happy that I got your mind rolling. I got yeah, you, oh, for sure. Here. And I'm just like, yeah, it's just this weird. We were talking today even about like movies and tropes and white saviorism. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, like I think I'm trying to be super cautious of like the dangerous minds narrative or the freedom writers. Mm -hmm. And it's just like there's, you know, really trying to avoid all elements of that and the way that that kind of rolls out. But mm -hmm. um I don't yeah, know if I'm supposed to good. say this. But I love the Freedom Riders. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> so they, oh, we, they, we kind of went hard on that one today. But just the idea of like the fair though, as any should, movie, right? Yeah. That so the the argument was just like most movies that feature, you know, even like storylines about black youth. There's always a white savior. That is, yeah. Um, and so you know, like the article we were like, like the help and the blind side, mm -hmm. and even the Green Book. Um, you know, the critique of that was just like, well, he's got his white bodyguard and he's chilling, like he's literally mm -hmm. napping in the car. He wouldn't be able to do that and so it was an interesting article, but you're right, because not everybody was like super on one side or the other, but it was it was a really interesting discussion. Yeah. I mean, and a lot of it is just us like talking. And I think that's I've enjoyed it and I really hope that they have too. I don't know. <laughs> I'm hoping for yeah, that no, they but have. I think that's great though, that they get the freedom to actually dissect these movies in these ways. Like even it's like, oh, I actually love this movie, but <laughs> Yeah, and we didn't watch them. We're not just been in all the class to watch them, but everybody's yeah. kind of like familiar enough with um but yeah, who doesn't like the English teacher who just gets everybody to actually like what? produce all these verses? Like, hey, nobody's turned anything in. Can we? Like, <laughs> right, you know, right. Kind of use that method, of right? That class, like, this is inspirational. Right. For me. <laughs> I need to credit, As... but nobody turned anything in. Can we get a draft for tomorrow? Like that sort of thing. Definitely, because that's the reality too. Like, it's not all. It sounds very peachy, but it, you know, it's a gritty. It can be gritty, but it's lovely. And I'm happy that you are in the grit. <laughs> And you are with your students and you are a team with them. Um, before we end, something that I like to ask everybody is, you know, drop that knowledge. What is that one or two or three things or something 
that you want people to take away from this conversation if they remember nothing else? You know, honestly, and I don't know if it came through here. Um, I honestly think that there is no job that's more frustrating and rewarding, but also um, just better than being able to work with really cool young people yes. every day. I always like one thing I think about is I'm really excited for my own children. They're they're kind of young still. They're like 10 and 12. Aww. But um, I'm so excited for them to be in our school and to go to our school and to like I have hope for the future because I get to work with juniors in high school for the most part every day. And it's a lot of times people are like, oh, you teach high school. Oh, I could never. And it's just like, no, it's but like, that reaction. <laughs> yeah, it is right. But I'm like, oh, I actually have faith in humanity. Like it's, it's, they're just a really cool group of people. And this community is a cool place to teach in. And um, again, it's not always swimming, but I just, I love spending the days at school which yeah. is a nice thing to be able to say, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're pretty fascinating people. So it's really fun to be around them every day. That would, that would yes. be the one takeaway, I guess. <laughs> yes. A lot of personalities, very fascinating. And I absolutely <laughs> love it. I Yay. truly, truly enjoy it. Didn't think I would enjoy it this much, but I enjoy it way more than I thought. And about. you're going to stay in Champagne forever right now. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Um, I didn't think I was gonna, but here I am like, so here we are. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe. But um, I think what I would take from me, take from the conversation is more so like what you've been talking about is um being a team with your students while also being cautious and being aware of the way that you present yourself in a classroom while also <laughs> trying to simultaneously make sure that they have that safe and open space to present themselves in whatever way they see fit because we have to grit it out with them. Mm. So thank you so much. You. I have really enjoyed talking to you today. Um, that concludes this episode <laughs> of What's Going On, a Social Studies Network podcast. Peace. <laughs> oh, and Black History Month. Woo! All right. <laughs>